Good morning. Perek Shalishi of Ilchot Teshuvah of Harambam. This chapter deals with something which seems very esoteric. It sounds like it's very, um, it's, it's secrets of what God does and how God calculates our mitzvot and averot. But what I would like to propose while reading this chapter is to focus less on what's happening in heavens and to focus more on how this affects us, our perception, our experience, etc., etc., our decisions, of course. Perek Shalishi, Halakha Aleph. Kol echad v'echad m'bene adam yish lo zechuyot v'avonot. Every human being has both merits and uh, and transgressions. A person whose merits are more or overcome than his transgressions is considered a sadiq. Whoever has avonot transgressions which are more than uh, his merits is rasha. If it's balanced, if it's half and half, is deemed to be benoni, an, an average person, a middle person. Vechen ha-medina, so too any city. If in its population, its citizens had more zechuyot, more merits than avonot, than uh, transgressions, it's deemed to be a sadeket. And vice versa, if it had more avonot, it's a rasha'ah, it's a guilty city. And so too the entire world. If the entire world's population had more avonot than zechuyot, it would be a rasha'ah, half and half benoni, and more zechuyot, more merit, it would be sadiq. By the way, pay attention how to be a sadiq. You can't still have avonot. You just need to have more zechuyot. Adam shavonotav merubin al zechuyotav miyad humet berisho. A person whose avonot are more than his zechuyot, who has more transgressions than merits, miyad, and I'm going to translate the word miyad not immediately, because that raises all kinds of questions, but miyad sometimes means consequently. Consequently, he dies due to his wickedness, to his guilt. Because when uh, the Torah, when the Nevi'im spoke to Am Israel about why Yerushalayim was being destroyed, it said, for the overwhelmingness of your transgressions in other words because your transgressions were too many you had more transgressions than merits so to a city whose avonot are more than its zechuyot whose transgressions are more than its merits like sedom consequently it's a uh, <clears throat> God destroys it. As it is said, 
the cries coming out from Sedom and Amora are too much. They are more than, they are more than its merits. So to the entire world. If the entire world's avonot uh, are more than its zechuyot, if the entire world's transgressions are more than its merit, it gets destroyed. Like it happened with the deluge, with the flood, with the mabul. It said, the Torah said, that God saw ki rabbah, and rabbah here in all of these pesukim means it's more than, it's an excess, in excess of. So there was an excess of transgressions with respect to merits. And this is not a numerical excess. It's not, I did three mitzvot and one of it other, for I'm three to one. It's rather based on their magnitude. Some merits have the magnitude that's comparable to several transgressions. It's said sometimes that someone deserves to live, to, to live because he had one good thing in him. He had one good merit. That one good merit was more than all the other bad things he had. And so too, sometimes doing one wrong thing, that wrong thing has a magnitude of many good things. And how do we measure this? How do we calculate this? Is only according to the way the calculations that God Himself has. The who Hayodea is the only one who knows. How to measure the merits against the transgressions. <coughs> A person who regrets having done a good thing. In other words, let's take it to the psychological aspect. A person who does not permit a good choice he or she made in the past to affect him, to transform him. He blocks that transformative effect that, that good choice has thereby not permitting it to color future choices. And, and, he, and he wonders, he, he asks himself, maybe I was better off not doing these things. Why, why did I bother doing these good deeds? That's a way to lose the effect of those of those merits. And he's never going to have for him any any indicia, any any uh, left, any remnant of uh, of those things that he had done. It's, it's, the pasuk says, the moment a person decides to become wicked, in other words, to feel sorry for all the good things he'd done. Sidkata Sadiq, his uh, his righteous days 
are not going to save him. And this Pasuk is dealing, it must be dealing with a person who regrets, who hesitates, who has second thoughts about the good choices he's made. The second part of Halakha Gimal. Just like a person has this uh, balancing, this, uh, this balancing of his accounts, this calculation of whether he has more merits or he has more uh, transgressions the day that he dies, the moment that he dies, so too, every year, we uh, the, the tradition is that Shoklin Avonot Kol Ehad Olam Shel Rosh Hashanah. In the the day of Rosh Hashanah, also, every person Kol Olam doesn't mean only Jews. Everyone, the belief is that the there is this accounting going on, and comparing the magnitude of one's merits against the magnitude of one's transgressions. He who is found to have more zechuyot than avonot is signed to life. Whoever is found to be guilty, to have more avonot, more transgressions than merits, he is signed to death. The one who has equal amount of both. He's pending, his, uh, the determination remains pending until Yom Kippur. If the person repents, thereby increasing the amount of his merits, thereby tilting the balance to having more merits than transgressions, then he is signed for Hayim, Vein love, and if not, if not, although he has half and half, he's treated like as if he had more Averot than more Avonot than Zechuyot. <clears throat> I want you to please hold all what we said in mind. This is not yet the punchline, okay? This is all context, this is all background. The punchline is going to come in Halakha Dalet, which we are about to read. Afal Pishat Ekiyat Shofar Berosh Hashanah Gezerat HaKatuv, Remez Yeshbo, Kelomar, Although the blowing of the shofar in Rosh Hashanah, or Rosh Hashanah is something that we do because the Torah said so, and the Torah did not give any reason for it, it does have a certain hint of something. We can't take a hint from it. And the hint would be for us to wake up, we who are sleeping and, and those who are in their slumber, and to, to wake up and to start looking, to start searching, to start scrutinizing our actions, and to do Teshuvah, and to remember our Creator. Those of you who forget the truth, who forget reality in routine, in the middle, in the midst of routine, 
just being in the in the rat race of life <clears throat> and spend all of their year in things that have no real effect work making money making more money and work and i work in order to have money to be able to pay for the things that i need to work and so on and so forth none of these things has obviously any lasting benefit beyond a few years in this world pay attention to your souls and improve your ways and your actions and each of you should abandon, should leave your bad ways and your bad thoughts, your bad ideas, ideology. Now comes the punchline. Okay, everything we said so far in the chapter is for this purpose. And after this, I'll explain why. This is why a person must see himself all year around as if he is exactly half zechuyot, half merits, and half transgressions. And he also has to, to imagine, to assume that the entire world is half and half. Now what happens if a person makes one transgression, one mistake, one misdeed? This one action is so consequential that it's going to tilt the balance for himself and for the rest of the world. And it's causing the entire world to be destroyed. And vice versa, doing one good choice would mean that that good choice has the consequence, has the effect of tilting the balance not only for the person, but also for the rest of the world. is bringing about salvation and redemption. And this is what in Mishle it says, someone who is righteous he serves as the foundation of the world why so because because a person who becomes righteous through one action can save the entire world if the entire world was half and half and this one action tilted the balance let me pause for a second and explain what's going on here I'll tell you what's not going on, first of all. This chapter is not meant to create within us this childish image of a scoreboard in heavens where an angel is adding mitzvot and adding averot and then God uh, judges and in Rosh Hashanah he does it and when is Rosh Hashanah for God? Is it Does it go according to Eastern time, to Israel time? Um, and I'll tell you why not, because all of this is such a black box. We cannot know, first of all, we cannot know how much our mitzvot or averot count. It's something that it depends on magnitude, not a number. Also, we cannot know 
how God is doing the calculation. It's his own way. We have no access <clears throat> to that methodology. Number three, why would it matter? So the only point, the only reason why all of this matters, we'll never know. I'll never know how much my account is for Zechuyot, how much my account is for Avonot. And this is why Halakha Dalet is so key. Halakha Dalet says, just assume that something like this is going on for the purpose of feeling, of understanding, of taking every action you take as though this action can have worldwide consequences. It can change history. And it can. It can change history. Uh, even if I wasn't, even if I wasn't uh, Benoni, what we can learn from here is that in the aggregate, the world is being judged. In the aggregate, society also has a responsibility to be more good than bad. So does the person, more good than bad. <clears throat> and what I do, if I have this attitude, I understand that it affects not only me, but society. And miyad hi ovedet, I want to explain also what does it mean immediately it gets destroyed. Uh, miyad, again, I translated it not immediately, but consequently, which answers the question. But if you want to translate it immediately, the answer of what does that mean? I mean, we maybe we see people or, or cities or, or worlds that uh, are out there and presumably have more avonot than zechuyot, and yet they are not destroyed. So one answer the Kesef Mishneh gives is that this is not the case. Even though you see someone uh, walking around that you think is more Rashad than Sadiq, maybe God has a different calculation. He really is not. And the fact that he is alive proves that. I don't like the answer because it means that people like Hitler or Bin Laden or anyone like that, by being alive, they are proving that they have more zechuyot than avonot. And and by the way, we have cases in, in the Torah where someone is found to be a Rasha, in the Tanakh someone is called a Rasha, and it takes many, 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 many years until Bore Olam punishes them. So I think that the, the other approach is this is about being destined to remain the Rasha. In other words, it's about losing the ability to ever again come away from tilting the balance to the other side. And that does happen. That happened with Paro. That happened with Hitler. That happened with Bin Laden. All of the evilest people in history, the way they act after a certain point in their life is totally irrational. It doesn't make sense. It's self-destructive. And it's evidence that they weren't thinking clearly. They didn't have the freedom of choice. And this should explain what, what does it mean to have more than. This should explain that there is a tilting point at every person's life. There's a tilting point in every society where if the society continues acting in a certain direction, they continue doing certain things, there is no going back. There is no going back. And we have seen this in history as well. <clears throat> and this happens in Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, again, is the day where we remember we are created. We we, this is a day in which Adam HaRishon was created. We recall our humanity, which means we recall our accountability, our responsibility, our freedom of choice. And we remember, we remind ourselves what it means 
אז we have choice. ומפני העניין זה נהגו כל בית ישראל להרבות בצדקה ובמעשים טובים ולעסוק במשרות בראש השנה וביום הכיפורים יותר מכל ימות השנה. That's why all of עם ישראל have the custom of increase צדקה, increase good deeds, do more מצוות between ראש השנה ויום הכיפורים. Because we understand that we are all בינוניים and we want to increase and we have the responsibility to tilt the scale towards the good. Again, staying Staying still, staying static in Benoni doesn't cut it on Yom Kippur. ונהגו כולם לקום בלילה בעשרת ימים אלו ולהתפלל בבתי כנסיות בדברי תחנונים ודברי כיבושים עד שיהיה אור היום. And it's also customary, says הרמב״ם, to wake up during these 10 days. So two things about this. Number one, during הרמב״ם's time, the custom still wasn't to do סליחות for... 40 days, the entire month of Elul. Number two, the custom seems to have been to do Selichot also uh, on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippurim themselves. It's all of these 10 days. And if you look at any old Mahzorim, the way that Selichot are structured, sometimes they are structured before the, the, um, the, the Tefillah. עד שיור היום, until the day, until the day breaks. בשעה ששוקלים עוונות אדם עם זכויותיו, when God is calculating the merits of someone against his transgressions, הם מחשבים עליו תחילה עוון שחטא בו ולא שני, אלא משלישי ואילך. There is now, now there is going to be some sort of a mathematical formula. Again, this is just context. I'll tell you when we get to the punchline. So, the first avira that the person does, the first transgression is not counted, nor the second. It's as if the person gets two freebies, but rather from the third and on. God always forgives by default the first and second transgressions in the list of transgressions a person has. If from the third and on, then the, those avonot are count, they, they, they are more in magnitude than the merits. Then we go back and retroactively also add the first two. And then the entire package of all of those transgressions counts uh, even those first two. ואם נמצאו זכויותיו כנגד עוונותיו אשר מעוון של ישיבה אלך, but if after ignoring the first two, the rest of the avonot are not more than, than the merits, the merits are more than the rest of those uh, transgressions, מעבירים כל עוונותיו ראשון ראשון. Then we continue through this formula, so the first two were forgiven, right? Now the third one becomes the first, and that one too is forgiven. Because now the third one is going to count as the first one, because the first two were forgiven. And so to the fourth one, it becomes, it becomes now the first one after the third one was forgiven. And so to until the rest of them. In other words, the, uh, the Harabam is saying, if a person 
has more zechuyot than avonot without counting the first two, Borei Olam has a way of forgiving everything, everything, everything. And because we have a pasuk, like we are going to say now, that it talks about God forgiving the first and the second time, Hachamim made from this a formula through which a person can understand, can feel that so long as they are a sadiq, so long as they have more zechuyot than avonot, then there is no need to live a, a life with guilt, there is no need to live a life uh, being afraid of, of uh, being punished, etc. Just keep yourself above water, keep your head above water, have more zechuyot than avonot. Of course, you'll never know what is what does it mean to have more zechuyot than avonot, which is why every Rosh Hashanah we assume we are benoni, and then those 10 days we do more zechuyot than avonot, consciously. And then the rest of the year, a person should, uh, you know, always think that you're Benoni and understand that every action you, you, you take is consequential, but don't live with that fear, with that guilt of uh, that religious guilt that other religions have of uh, thinking I'm Rasha, I have a, I'm going to burn in hell. All of those things are not Jewish concepts. And this is the point of it. The point of it is to make you feel if you did as much as keeping your head above water, Bore Olam is going to forgive all of your avonot. And this is all in the individual for which we have a pasuk that uh, this is what God does. The second two or three times with a man. In other words, that God forgives uh, two as much as he forgives three. Uh, we have, uh, for, so for the first, for the first, uh, for the Mishnah, for the Halakha we said before, how does God forgive the first and the second? This is something that uh, we say several times during Aserati uh, Met Shuvah, as, as in, uh, and uh, we are all familiar with Ma'avir Rishon Rishon. God forgives the first one and the first one. In other words, he forgives the first Avira, thereby making the second one become now the first one, and forgives that one too. <clears throat> with a community, with a Sibur, with a collective, God actually is a little more forgiving, and He He uh, He forgives not only the first and second one, but the first, the second, and the third one. In Amos, we have a series of uh, Amos, the, the prophet is saying, uh, God is willing to 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 uh, to, over, to 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 not see, to not pay attention, to ignore the the first, the second, and the third mistakes that you've made, but for the fourth one, you are getting it. And then the same thing we said about individuals. What happens with the third and on, with the collective happens with the fourth and on. Habedonim. Him ayah bichlal mechasav onot shelahem sheloiniach tefillin meolam danin oto kefiyah taav veyishloch helik laolam haba. Those who have exactly half and half. If in the half 
that this is something now very specific. It comes from a very particular sugiya in the Gemara. If among the half of the transgressions, one of the transgressions was that the person never put tefillin, never put tefillin in his life. This is something that Hachamim called Poshoi Israel Begufan. It's as if a person decided never to lend his body to serve as a depository for the most important parts of Jewish legacy. So just a word about tefillin. We have three misvot that are related. We have the Sefer Torah, which is housed in the Bet Knesset, in the Hechal. We have the Mezuzah, which is housed in the Jewish home. It's housed on the door. We have the Tefillin, which is housed in the Jewish body. So we have community, family, and individual. And each of these three serves as the depository. Is the, it's the archive in which the Torah is preserved. The community has its archive, the house, the family has its archive, and the individual has its archive. So someone who decided, refrains from putting tefillin, he's in a way declining to have his body used for serving as an archive for Am Israel of the synopsis of the Torah, which is what's written inside the tefillin. As you'll notice, the tefillin is put directly on the skin. It's made of skin, it, and it's as if it merges with our skin becoming part with our body, which is why our body needs to be clean to put the filling. <clears throat> so uh, Benoni that didn't put the filling, it's as if he's a little more rasha than Benoni. The filling is, is a big bobo not to have done that. And therefore, Daniel Tokafihatav, he actually is judged according to his avonot. And then he has a portion in the world to come. And so too, all the transgressors that have more avonot than more transgressions than merits, they get judged according to their transgressions. They get some sort of a punishment. But they have a, a portion in the world to come. All Israel, this is one of the benefits of membership in the Jewish people. You get a portion automatically in the world to come. It says, even though we transgress. It's Yeshayahu says about Am Israel and your nation, they all are righteous. And to the world, to the world to come, they are going to inherit a portion of land. They are going to have a little bit of a of a of an of a of a heritage in that world to come. Eres zomashal, and this land that they are getting obviously is a metaphor. Klomar eres We're talking about the land of the life. In other words, the 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 the, the world in which people don't die. and that's the world to come. Vechen hasideu mota olam. This is something very important. We don't believe that you need to be Jewish to deserve the world to come. We believe that goyim, non-Jews, <coughs> can also deserve, they can also earn the world to come for themselves. And they are hasideu mota'olam. And this is something that in Hilchot Melachim Harambam defines, is the goyim that accept the seven mitzvot, the seven Noahide 
the Misod and Noah, the Noahide laws, they also get a portion in the world to come. And now the rest of the chapter is going to, I'm going to go a little faster, it's going to deal with all the categories of people that are excluded from this membership in the world to come. Just like uh, being Jewish, you know, comes with this benefit, the club has another rule, and this is you can lose this, this benefit, and uh, there's several ways by which a person can lose the world to come. And these are the ones that have that do not have a portion in the world to come, but rather they are cut off and they are destroyed and they are judged for the magnitude of their wickedness and their misdeeds forever and ever. In other words, their punishment is going to be uh, forever. Harambam did not believe that uh, there is something like a gehinom, a perjury, like the Goim believe that you go somewhere and you get burnt and then you're all good. Haminim, I'm not going to translate because all of these things are explained. Haminim, vehapikorosim, vehakofrim batora, vehakofrim bithayat hametim, vehakofrim beviyat agoel, veham meshum madim, not all of them are explained. Uh, I'm going to explain just the, the last ones. Um, is someone who uh, imposes himself and, and tries to terrorize the public for his own gain, not 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 for not to encourage people to do misvot. Meshofche damim is uh, uh, obviously uh, murderers. Balashnara is people who constantly, constantly speak lashonara. And Hamoshech Orlato is someone who tries to hide his circumcision. This was pretty common during Greek and Roman times. Jews who wanted to assimilate. They used to go through a very painful uh, surgical procedure that would uh, make their their brit milah almost uh, not be noticeable. There is five kinds of minim. What is minim? Number one, he who claims, and by the way, I wanted to pay attention, it says ha'omer, not ha'ma'amin. It's not the one who believes. We belief is um, it might be avera, but a mean which has social consequences is someone who declares it, someone who publicly takes a stance that in sham eloa that there is no uh, lord to the world, and or or that the world doesn't have any guiding hand, any supervisor. Or he who says that there is a supervisor to the world, but there is more than one. This is a, the, the duality, the dual deism that was very commonplace in Gnostic, among Gnostic circles, including Christianity, like uh, Satan and God, etc. 
also the one who says that there is one Lord to the world, one, 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 Ribbon uh, means one owner to the world, but he is physical, believing that God is physical or has physical characteristics would qualify for someone to be considered a mean. Also, he who claims that God is not uh, first and preceding and creating everything, denying creation, creation out of nothing. So too, worshipping another, any other creature, anything else, to be a, a, uh, an intermediate between God and us, for example, uh, praying to a rabbi, or praying to an angel, or praying to, to I don't know, to, to anything, to anything that's not God, and that's not the way that was prescribed by the Torah, would be praying to an intermediary to intercede on your behalf to God. Praying to Mama Rachel, some people do that, and it's wrong, and I, I want to make this very clear, that's wrong. Mean each one of these five things is considered a mean. There is three kinds of epikorosin. First one is denying the concept of prophecy and saying that there is no such thing as communication from the divine. Secondly, it's more specifically to deny that Moshe Rabbeinu was the one who, um, who had prophecy, and he had a special kind of prophecy. Or to say that God does not know, is not aware of what I do, of what humans do. Each one of these three is an apikoros. There's three that are considered kofrim batorai. Again, kofer means cover the ones who sort of like, it's like saying know the truth, but try to not see it. That's, that, that, that's the idea of kofer. Ha'omer, he who claims that the Torah does not come from God, even one pasuk, even one word, if he says this was made up by Moshe, and it's not something that God said, this is kofer. So too, denying and rejecting it's Pirush, the system of interpretation that we have, which we explain in the Hakdama, which is Torah Shabbat Alpeh, or going against the ones in charge of transmitting Torah Shabbat In other words, someone who, uh, who denies, uh, refuses to accept the authority of the Bedin Hagadol or any Bedin Hagadol that we've had. Like Sadoku Baitos, Sidokim and Baitosim. Harambam, by the way, could have said here Karaim, which were very common in his time, and he didn't. Uh, I think that this was a strategic decision because in his time he was making a lot of headway into trying to bring them closer to the truth, to Judaism. <laughs> Or saying that although the Torah was once true, 
it already was replaced by something else, um, or that it was corrupted by those uh, Jews, like respectively the Christians say and the Muslims say. Each one of these three is considered kofer. There is two ways of qualify from being meshumad. It's one way is being meshumad, being someone who decided to depart from the Jewish people with respect to one mitzvah, or decided to depart from the Jewish people with respect to the entire Torah. So an example of someone who decided to depart from the Jewish people with respect to only one mitzvah is someone who, even on something light, like Sha'atnez, he doesn't accept that this is wrong, and he does it, and he does it always, and everyone knows that he does it. Uh, or, for example, shaving shaving the, the sideburns. And it's as if this mitzvah no longer exists for him. This is called meshumad to that mitzvah. One condition to this, it's only if the person is doing that, is doing that to make a point, to make a, a, a philosophical point, I do not believe in this and I want to show this. And is when someone actually assimilates and decides to join another nation, another people, and he says, why should I continue being Jewish? There's nothing in it for me. I don't want to be subject to anti-Semitism. And I prefer joining the team that is right now in power. So this is an example of someone who has left the Jewish people for, with respect to the entire Torah. Those who cause the public to deviate from the Torah. One example is those who do it with respect to something of tremendous magnitude, something very grave, like Yarov Am, Yarov Am established Avodah Zarah officially as the national form of worship in order for people not to go to Bet HaMikdash, which was under Judean jurisdiction. He didn't want that to conflict with his newly gained uh, kingship and kingdom. Sadok Uvaitos, Sadok Uvaitos, they were sages, they were students of sages, but, uh, but they decided in order to self-organize themselves, to start new sects that would reject the Sanhedrin. Or if someone is causing the public to do something that is not as grave, something a little lighter, even to not do a positive commandment. For example, if someone, um, I don't know, uh, corners the, the Lulav market purposely in order to make people not to have Arba'at Aminim for Sukkot. Or, or someone who forces others, uh, coerces others until they do something wrong. Like Menashe, who used to, under the, 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 the threat of death penalty, 
used to force people to do Avodazara, or Sheit Aherim Veidiham Ki Yeshua, or someone who just uh, um, misled others and brought them outside from the Torah through their teaching, through their philosophy, like Jesus. So all of these things are Mahati Arabim. They are the ones who uh, make others, make the public sin. It's another form of losing the Olam Abba. What does it mean to be Poresh Chesibur, to leave the ways of the public? Even if this doesn't involve transgressing anything, but rather to separate oneself from the Jewish community, from the Jewish nation. And not, and not doing any of the misvot, any of the positive commandments among them, and when they have, when the Jewish people has some some uh, calamity, they have some trouble. He doesn't he doesn't uh, join them in that trouble. If they declare a fast for the entire Jewish people, or if they have a custom to do a fast, the entire Jewish people, like for example Tisha B'av, not Tisha B'av, but the the, the, the other the other Samot, uh, is definitely a custom. So he doesn't he doesn't join Am Yisrael in those customs. But rather he goes like one of uh, of belonging to another nation, and as if he doesn't belong to the Jewish people, he doesn't have any portion in the world to come. So this is a little different than Meshumad lechola Torah kula. Meshumad lechola Torah kula is when Someone actively joins another religion and rejects the Torah. Poresh Bin Chetzibur is passively leaving the Jewish people, even without joining any other religion. And uh, and it's uh, not even doing any Averah. The person can be Shomer Shabbat, but but uh, at the same time not doing any Misvah and not joining, rejecting the membership with the Jewish people. Haosea Averot Biadramaki Hoyakim Osavirot biadrama means uh, transgressing in a very open way, in a very defiant way. Yadrama means a lifted hand, and the imagery is of someone who is um, he's, uh, defying, he's challenging the authority that's, that's on him. So this is the, the, the word you would use, for example, when a slave decided or understood he's no longer under the jurisdiction of his master. And this is exactly the way the Torah describes when Am Israel, the, the Israelites, left Egypt. So doing Avirot, transgressing in a very challenging, defiant way, like Yehoiakim was one of the kings that we had in the times of Irmiyahu, who would very defiantly, Irmiyahu would tell him something and he would do the opposite. Whether this was light transgressions or grave transgressions he also loses the world to come and this is what Hamim also call the one who uncovers his face before the Torah uncovering the face was another imagery of uh, of defiance of uh, like putting your face of uh, in, in Spanish you have a word for this encarar which means to face someone in, the, in a defiant way, from the word face, kara. Because he 
he uh, he 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 dared he dared uh, and and uh, and uncovered his face with he he it's like as if he dared the Torah and he he challenged the Torah and he faced the Torah in a very daring way and he wasn't submissive uh, to the Torah's authority. What does it mean, Mosrim? Mosrim is uh, the ones who give up, who give up their, their brethren. One example is if a person who gives up his friend to the Goim, to the non-Jews, so that they kill him or so that they harm him, injure him. Or to someone who gives up his friend's possessions to the Goim. Or in the hands of a, a not, not even a Goim, not even a non-Jew, even a Jew who is very violent and imposes his will upon others, like a gangster. Those two cases, cases whether he is giving up uh, the, the Jewish bodies or Jewish property, it's enough to lose membership in this world to come, which is a right of uh, Jews just by belonging to the Jewish people. Those who terrorize the public not for the sake of heavens someone who behaves in a tyrannical way someone with authority who behaves in a tyrannical way let's say the president of a community not in our days which is a very symbolic position but back in the day they really had tremendous authority they they were the the interface with the with the the political authorities on behalf of the community or a mafioso today a gangster and everyone is very scared and fears him. And his intention is only for self-aggrandizement and for his own honor. Not for the sake of heavens. Like we find in among the political leaders of the Goim. They all have this quality of trying to have everyone fear them for self-aggrandizement. Each one of these 24 kinds of people that we that we that we uh, just counted, and if you want to go back and count the 24, go ahead. They do not have a place in the world to come. And although, uh, and there is other lighter actions, Haramam is saying these are lighter, but Hachamim said that whoever is used to doing this, he'll also lose the pla the the, his place in the world to come, so that we try to keep a distance from these habits, from these very bad habits. Felohen, and these are they. Number one, putting names, nicknames, obviously bad nicknames, friend or one who um, uses his friend's nicknames in order to call them uh, again both are actions that have the effect of establishing a certain hierarchy anyone who's a little bit familiar with bullying in schools knows that this is one of the most common way of bullying of establishing a nickname nickname that sticks in a person 
והמלבין פני חברו ברבים, or embarrassing your fellow man in public, ומתכבד בקלון חברו, or deriving stature by lowering someone else. So, for example, uh, if you, you know that uh, your friend just uh, um, had an interview and, uh, and they looked bad, and you think that he's more qualified than you, but you think that by your showing uh, in what way you are better than him, you'll gain the upper hand. In other words, you're not trying to gain the upper hand in absolute terms with respect to yourself, but you're also doing that, you're only doing that by lowering the other, by denigrate, denigrating the other. The one who embarrasses or, or doesn't disrespect uh, Jewish scholars, sages, or his own teachers, or the one who doesn't take seriously the Jewish holidays, and the one who defiles things that belong to Bet HaMikdash. So now comes a very important final halacha. When are we saying that all of these, the first 24 and the latter, uh, the lot of lesser categories. When are we saying that these people don't have Olam Abba? When a person dies without having done Teshuvah. But if the person uh, comes back, returns, and does Teshuvah, and when he dies, the moment he dies, he still has the effect of that Teshuvah, he's obviously from the those that will go to Olam Abba because there is nothing in the world that can stop, that can stay in the way, stand in the way of Teshuvah. Even a person who rejected all the principles that serve as a basis to Judaism and the very last moment he decides to return, he has Olam Abba and the Pasuk says, uh, it's uh, God is saying shalom, shalom. I'm not going to say shalom because it's a salutation, both to the one who comes from far and the one who comes from near. In other words, the one who comes from far, the one who has never been around, has never been uh, in, in the right path. Says Hashem, Urfatim, I can cure them. I can cure also the one that comes from very far. Every wicked person, every transgressor, even the Meshumadim, the, the ones who assimilated to other nations, that they, they come back in Teshuvah, whether they do this openly or covertly, uh, it was very common for someone to become a converso back in the times of the Inquisition and, do, and, and then covertly decide to come back to Judaism. Mekabelinotan. They are accepted in Teshuvah by God. Because God said, come back, uh, um, children who are, who are going out of the way, who are, uh, um, who are uh, again, it's a very difficult word to translate, but it's someone who is not here and is not there and is going back and forth. That's who Even though he still is not steadily set in the right path because he only did teshuvah um, uh, covertly and not overtly 
מקבלים אותו בתשובה, God will accept him in תשובה. Just a last note, מינים uh, and, and some other categories will see in other places that the community, we already saw that, the community does not accept them in תשובה, but that does not mean that never meant that God will not accept them in תשובה, and the only one that counts for purposes of Olam Abba is God and not the community. With this, we finish this uh, quite lengthy chapter.